Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 660 for the 27th of Elul in a regular year. So as kind of an introductory note, a little bit of a disclaimer, this is not going to be the most PC politically correct message. So for warning for all of you more maybe feminist oriented kind of people there, but bear with me and, and hear out what the Tanya has to teach us. And you'll see that it actually is quite, quite fast, fascinating. So I'm actually going to start today's episode by going to the very end of the section for today, and you'll see why. So the very end of the section today, the Altarebbe brings a teaching from the Gemara that's really interesting, and he kind of puts it in there. Like It almost sounds as if he's just like throwing it in there as like a, by the way, as like just like a side note. But to me, starting with this teaching and 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 thinking about this teaching just for a moment can actually give us a very deep um understanding of what this whole section is about. So what's the teaching? The teaching is from Kedushin in the Gemara, page 2b, where it says, So it is the way of man to pursue the woman. So again, we live in a society nowadays that with the advent of feminism and all that stuff, there's this idea of women can do whatever they want. A woman can ask a man out. She doesn't have to wait for him. Uh, It's really just as much her as him in, in the chase. You know, it doesn't have to be just him. But Honestly, if you talk to any woman who's in the who's single, who's in the dating field, or who has been single at some point in her life, this this doesn't really ring true. It's it's really it's it can be very frustrating for women who are told this message over and over that they have just as much power to chase men as men have to chase women. In my personal experience, this is not has not been the case. It's that it, it really does have to come from the man. If a if a woman really really likes a guy and she chases after him. The, if the guy's not interested, he's not going to be interested for the most part. I mean, sure, there may be exceptions to the rule, but this is the general idea. Versus for the man, if the man chases after the woman, as long as he has like a decent amount to offer, if he chases her in the right, right way and enough, it won't necessarily work, but there's a better chance that it will work out. Because this is more the... Um, the nature is the nature of man is to chase the woman and not vice versa for a man. In fact, if he sees that a woman is chasing him too much, it kind of can often be a turnoff because he kind of senses that this is not, that this is not appropriate. This isn't the way that it's supposed to be. And for a woman as well, if she's in a relationship with a man or she's dating a man and she doesn't feel chased, she doesn't feel pursued, sought after, even if he's a really nice guy and even if she really likes him, she's going to feel very frustrated and it's not the correct relationship dynamic. We see really that the ultimate nature is for the man to be the pursuer. 
Nevertheless, so I hope the feminists out there are not ready to <laughs> to hit me too hard just yet, but uh, there is a role for the woman. So what is the role for the woman? What role does the woman have in the dynamics of the relationship? Is there anything that she can do in order to get a guy to like her, get a guy to pursue her if she likes the guy? Or once they're in a relationship, what is the woman's role? Is it just about having her accept the man's love and have the man just love her and shower her with love and, and she just has to kind of like be there and like reciprocate the love and that's about it? So no. So in a healthy relationship, and this has been studied by countless psychologists over and over and over again, a woman, what does a woman crave more than anything? She wants to be loved. She wants to feel cherished. She wants her husband to really just love her and shower her with love, to fill her love tank, as I believe it was John Gray. The author of the famous book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, wrote about this idea that, that women need their love tank filled. They need to feel loved. So while, of course, men need to feel loved as well, but more than love, what is it that a man needs in a relationship more than anything? A man needs to be respected. A man needs respect. He needs the woman to admire him, to look up to him. If a woman loves and cherishes a man, but she doesn't respect him, that's not going to be enough. And in fact, one could argue that respect for a man is actually more important than love. He needs that respect more than love. And of course, a woman needs to be respected as well. But more important than that respect is that love. So that's kind of like the interplay between the two genders is this idea of the love and respect. So why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about all this relationship advice on a Tanya podcast? Well, because our ultimate relationship that we have is actually not with our spouses, not with our partners, not with our boyfriends, girlfriends, things like that. It's actually with God. God, all of these relationships that we have are actually kind of just meant there in a certain sense to be archetypes for our ultimate relationship, our uh, our essential relationship with God in which we are the woman and God is the man. Again, maybe not so politically correct to say, but that is the dynamic. And why is that the dynamic? Because, and why is it, you know, it's a good question, actually. Why do we refer to God as he? Why don't we, like many feminists, call God she or perhaps agender, non-binary, whatever you want to call it? Why is that? Well, because when we talk about these traits of masculinity and femininity, they're actually originating in a spiritual place. The entire basis of all of reality is actually created through these this dynamic of the, the masculine and feminine forces. This, this is a Jewish idea, but it's actually not only a Jewish idea. If you go to pretty much any culture that I am aware of uh, in the world, there's this discussion of these male and female um, energies at play, whether we're talking about Chinese medicine in India, throughout the world, there's this discussion of the male and female energies and what they're all about. And traditionally, both in those cultures, as well as in Judaism and Kabbalah and, and those kind of teachings, the masculine energy is the giver, the uh, the influencer, the the radiant one, the one that is um, is associated more with spirituality and and externality and that kind of thing, versus the feminine is the receiver. She's the developer. She is the one that takes the male influence and turns it into something. We see this very clearly in the male and female body and the interplay of that, right? Like and when um, and in the conception of a child that the, the man influences the sperm and then the woman takes that sperm and develops it within her and she receives it in that way and she cultivates it. So this is the whole idea. And so 
we'll start, we'll learn in today's discussion that another perspective on all of this is that when we talk about the masculine, we can talk about the masculine in terms of love. Love will learn, which this might sound kind of counterintuitive, but love is a more masculine trait because love is all about effluence. It's all about giving, flowing outward, outpouring of the heart. And again, it doesn't mean that women can't love, aren't capable of love. We all have both of these energies, all of these energies within us, but it's just kind of like, what is, who is the archetype for each? What is, what is, how do we define these energies? Are they masculine or feminine? So in our context of the discussion today, love is actually a more masculine trait versus when we talk about the trait of respect, fear, awe, all of these things, which are kind of in the same category, we'll learn that these are actually more feminine traits. This is the power of the feminine to actually make space for another person, to cultivate the other person, to receive from the other person, to admire the other person, to really see the other person as they are and look up to them in a certain way. And so again, when we talk about our relationship with God, this is the similar relationship that we have. Of course, we do love God and we want to love God and everything, but seeing that we are the feminine, the starting point for us is actually, in a certain sense, that respect, that fear, that awe. And as we'll learn today, through cultivating and developing that respect and awe of God, that can, and it doesn't always, as we'll learn, but it, it can eventually make us receptacles to God's love. And the reason why I say not always is similar to a, and of course, Lahav deal, but similar to a male-female human relationship, a woman can respect a man from today till tomorrow, but if the man doesn't love her, he just isn't going to love her and there's nothing that he can do. So the man really is, it does kind of like ultimately fall upon the man to be the one to choose that woman and decide that this is the one that he wants. This is the woman that he wants to be with. But in order for that love to be received properly, in order for him to be able to love her and for her to love him back, she needs to respect him. And it could be argued that that respect actually needs to come first. So another way of saying this is that that respect that comes from the feminine side is a necessary but not sufficient prerequisite to cause that love to be returned from the man. So what we'll learn about in today, and we'll bring it back in today's, uh, into the Tanya of today, where this all comes down to is that we're going to be learning about a certain type of love, a very, very high type of love of God that comes to a person and it's called the love of pleasures, which is a very great type of love of God. It's a really, really high type of love of God, but it's something that actually is not something that a person can develop on their own. It's something that's given to them as a gift from God and it's only given to certain individuals. So it's not a guarantee. It's not something that necessarily all of us can have. Only certain people can merit this level of love. However, in order to even be considered to merit this kind of love, the way to prepare oneself for this is to develop this deep awe of God, this deep sense of respect and fear of God. So let's get into the text and see how the Altrapa explains all of this. And I know that I'm being a little bit maybe creative in my um, in my explanation for today, but it really, I think thinking about these things in terms of male-female relationships, is it, it can be a helpful way to help us understand this dynamic that we have with God. And especially, I felt comfortable bringing it up because the ultra himself brings it up at the end of this section where he mentions this idea of the man by nature being the one to pursue the woman. So for context, we are beginning Epistle 18 today of Igeris HaKodesh. And so here we go. So the ultra begins with uh, 
with a pasuk, a little citation from Shir Hashirim, chapter 7, verse 7, where it says, Ma yafit umat How beautiful and pleasant are you, this love of pleasures. So what does this mean? So it's so those of you that are familiar, Shir Hashirim is kind of like this love song this that uh, that is written and it's um, and it's understood to be an, an allegory for our love to, of God for uh, for a love song between us and God and so in this section of Shir Hashirim, there's this certain type of love that is brought up this love of pleasures Avabatanugim. so we want to understand what does this mean love of pleasures what is this so the altar says that there are two types of love. The first type is called avabatanugim, this love of pleasures. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. So this is a type of love, says the ultra about, where a person delights in God with a great pleasure, with great joy that's very intense. And it's a joy of the soul. And it yearns to taste from God because it knows that God is good and that God is pleasant with a, like a, in a very sweet way, a very wonderfully sweet way. So it's like the way that we enjoy pleasantries, we enjoy delicacies, good food and that kind of thing. In this case, it's like the, the soul loves God in that way. It sees God as this amazing delicacy. And it's a taste, it's a foretaste of the world to come in which in the world to come, we're all going to have that experience where we just sit and we really enjoy and bask in the radiance of God. And about this kind of love is described in Shir Hashirim, um, chapter 97, verse 12, rejoice the righteous, the tzaddikim in God. And not everybody merits this, this level of love. This is a type of love which the Zohar describes as being a kahana bereuta deliba, which is a description of the Kohanim, the Kahana, who are serving God from the deepest parts of their hearts. And the Altar Rebbe says that this type of love is what is referenced in Bamibar chapter 18, verse 7, where it says, Avodat matanachul, meaning that the priestly service is a gift. So what is this priestly service? The Altar Rebbe is interpreting this to mean this is specifically that type of love. And also it goes on, this um, this section in Bamibar, where it says, Vazar hakarev chule, that any stranger that comes close to this type of service is liable for death. So meaning to say that the service that the Kohanim had, like just on a very simple level that we can understand this, is that like the service that the Kohanim had, the priests had in the base of Megdash, was specific to them. Not everybody could do it. It was really given to them as a gift. It was, it was something you had to be born into. To this day, you can't become a Kohen. This is something that is, it's it's through your family lineage, through your father. It's a gift that's given to you. And uh, anybody who decided, no, I want to be a Kohen, or even to get close to that area would be liable for death. So it's a very severe thing. And so, but here, the Ultra Rebbe is actually explaining this in a deeper way. And he's saying it's not really just referring to the Kahuna, like, service, just, you know, bringing the sacrifices and that kind of thing, but it's specifically referring to a certain love that was given to them as a gift. That this love, this Avabata Nugim, we're calling it, is a gift that comes to certain people from to God, not everybody merits it. And the altar goes on and he says this, there's no way actually to achieve this level through human efforts, which is unlike awe of God, unlike uh, fearing God. So fearing God is something which actually, after a person passes away, this is something that this, that is asked of the soul, the soul that they ask the soul, um, did you serve God 
out of fear, meaning to say that this is something that's expected of everybody. We're all expected to serve God out of fear. This is something that we all have to do. And also there's a teaching in the Gemara Masechet Shabbos, page 31a, where it says, woe to the mortal who doesn't serve God out of fear. And this is also taught in Rishi's Chachma, says the Alter Rebbe, and um, then also in Mishle, chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, where it says, If you will seek it uh, like silver, meaning that if you seek, if you look for this fear of God, then you'll find it. So meaning to say that the reason why it's likened to silver is that this is something which we should seek after just like we're looking for a lost treasure. So it's like, just like if you knew that there was a treasure buried somewhere and you kind of knew the general area of where you had to look for it, you would search for it. You would look for it, right? So this is the basic idea. So too with fear of God, that this is something that we're obligated to search after. We're obligated to, to develop and cultivate this fear of God. However, this level of love, this level of avapata nogim, this very high level of love of God, this comes from above um, as a gift to a person from above without without uh, orienting oneself towards it. So it's not something like, so yes, we need to work towards having this tremendous fear of God, but to have this level of, of love of God to the point where we crave God, like the way that we think about like delicacies and that kind of thing, that's not something that's really within our power. That's something that comes to some individuals as a gift. Um, however, what we can do is that when we really work towards this level of tremendous fear of God, which is called Yirat HaRomimut, this like very, very high lofty level of fear of God, and if we get to the epitome of this level of what we're able to achieve um, on our soul level, if we really exert ourselves to get to that utmost level of like this is as much as we can fear God, then this Avapatanugim will come automatically from above. It will be like kind of like a side effect of this process to come and dwell and with the person and will become unified with their fear of God. Because, and this is where that famous teaching is that I started with in the beginning of this episode, as it says in Kiddushin, page 2b, it's the way of a man to chase after a woman, as is explained in Likutea Maram. So the basic idea here is that if if the woman, meaning us, if we make ourselves receptible, good enough receptacles that we are the ones that we really, really, really like fear God and have a, this tremendous awe of God that's with our entire being and everything like that. It's only going to be natural for, for God to chase after us. It's only going to happen that this love will come to us as a gift. But the love itself is not something we can chase. Just like, again, when it comes to a relationship between a woman and a man, a woman if, if a man doesn't love a woman, the more a woman chases after that man and says like, please love me. Will you love me? I love you, whatever. That's not going to help. That's not going to make the man love her anymore. The only thing she can do is she can show him respect and she can show him how much she admires him, how much she looks up to him, all of those things. It doesn't guarantee that he's going to love her, but chances are if she really respects him, if she really makes space for him in that way, she really shows him that awe, shows him that respect in a true and sincere way, it's there's a pretty good chance in that case that it's it's gonna be his nature to chase after her. You know, that is gonna be irresistible to a man. So it's kinda like giving, yeah, maybe some a little bit of relationship advice here to women. If you really want a man to like you, <laughs> then if you have a specific man in, in mind, the best you can do, really, again it's not a guarantee but what you can do is you can respect him and you can show him how much you respect him and how much you appreciate him and all of that 
And that will naturally elicit this love from him. Just like for us, when we cultivate this level of fear of God on such a high level, that can, again, not a guarantee, but it can come to us as a side effect, as a, as a gift from above, this tremendous love of God and called the love of pleasures, Avabatanugan. So that's it for today. And tomorrow we are going to conclude this epistle and we're going to be learning about the second type of love of God here. So stay tuned and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.